where I've been able to relax now and maybe enjoy just kind of watching them grow and become good people is because I know that they're healthy and I know that they're happy. And that happiness, what I had to learn, is not my happiness. Sometimes as a parent, we try to push what we think is happiness onto them, but our happiness isn't necessarily what their happiness is or what they want. Welcome to Sports Mom Rapport, where we support and connect with moms of athletes while sharing helpful advice from each other and some guest experts along the way. This is Tara. And I'm Destiny. Thank you for joining us as we highlight you incredible moms. Today, we are highlighting a mom of five athletes, Tracy Sanders. She dedicates her time wholeheartedly to her children. I'm so interested to hear her strategies in managing such a busy household, as well as hearing about how sports became such a valued priority in their family. And it definitely is. Get this. Four out of Tracy's children went on to compete Division I athletics. In previous conversations I've had with her, I've heard her break down the pros and the challenges and the recruiting process, which I can't wait for her to share. All right, Destiny, let's get started. So nice to finally meet you. Will you share a fun fact about getting to know you and just introduce us to the members of your family? Probably one of the most interesting things about me, I guess, is that I was probably the least likely to ever have children. And then I have had five children. If you go back to my friends from high school in that time period, it's almost comical to them that this is the life that I now have, because that would not have been what any of us, even myself would have thought so many years ago. On that note, I do have five kids. Olivia is the oldest. She's now 24. Luke is now 23. Bo is the true middle child and he is 21. Then I have a daughter, Reese, who is 19. And then Sydney will soon be 18. So boom, boom, boom. Yeah. So it was five kids and basically a seven year time period. That's incredible. And for somebody who wasn't going to have any kids, You've really risen to the occasion, haven't you? I guess so. But the funny about that is it was never planned. My husband, I never said, oh yeah, we're going to have this really big family, five kids. And I mean, we never talked about that. It just happened. What are their interests? We are an athletic family. My husband played college football. I grew up in a small town. Sports was a really big deal. Everything revolved around the high school and the activities. The one thing that I was probably a little bit more than good was track and field. So that was my background. My husband's background was in football. So in raising the kids, Brian, not pushing football, but football was part of his identity. Track and field was part of my identity. And we kind of merged those through the years. And that's what the kids fell into. The boys played football. The girls had success in track and field. That's really what drove our family. That brought us together, but it also over the years separated us because we got caught up in that whole travel stuff with the boys and it wasn't always fun and easy, but that's just who we were. So that's our family identity, I would say, besides the fact that they're all really smart kids. I understand the whole traveling to all their stuff. Priorities just kind of shift. I think that we incorporated the athletics because 
it was just part of the discipline that they needed, maybe the consistency, you know, and then all of a sudden you start seeing that your kids are really good in something and and they figure out that they're good at something. And then they have a little bit more desire and drive to stick to it. So it just became a priority. Yeah, that makes complete sense. You spoke a little bit about how you ran track and field as a youth and your husband played football. What specifically about Mm -hmm. your upbringing would you say influenced the way you raised your kids? So that's where things get really complicated. As I've gotten older, I reflect on this a lot. Why are things the way they are today? Why have things turned out the way they have? Because going back to my upbringing, grew up in a small town, I had everything I needed. I had food, I had a house. My parents were divorced. I had two sets of wonderful parents, but I was different. Parents had us very young. Things were just different in the household. When we were toddlers, I mean, they were in their early 20s and they're out doing things that 20-year-olds want to do, Mm -hmm. not necessarily being home and providing that stability in the household. Although, Mm -hmm. I mean, we had everything we needed, but we didn't have the stability as far as in like the consistency. I wouldn't describe my parents as ever really being reliable. My grandparents were the ones that were more stable. They just didn't parent. So then I go into grade school. The things I remember are teachers making comments about how beautiful my hair was and telling them like, I do it myself. And this is like a third grade because my mom left for work at 6.30 in the morning and I got myself up and got myself dressed and did my hair and did my hair. I remember how gratifying it was for her to comment. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, so that stuck with me. Entering a like coloring contest or a poster contest, and I actually won. Oh my God, this makes me feel so good. Like I put effort into something and I was noticed for it. And then as I got a little bit older, I had one teacher that knew that I came from this broken home. My mom got remarried when I was in fifth grade, and my teacher heard about it. And I remember him, Why didn't you tell me that your mom was getting married? I want to know what's going on in your life. I'm interested in you and what you're doing. I think about these little things that stuck with me over the years. And so these people along the way were kind of giving me this normal, oh, I want more of this. Meanwhile, my grandmothers, I had one grandmother that lost her husband at a very young age, lived alone, and still every single morning got up, did her hair, put on a nice outfit. She would go to a little store in downtown and she would work for a few hours. She was so always put together. And I can remember saying, I do this because when I look in the mirror, I want to have confidence in who It makes me feel good about who I am. So that always stuck with me. And then I had the other grandmother that her house was immaculate. She had this way of decorating and making anything and everything beautiful. She would cook meals. My grandfather would come home from work at 1120 and every day at 1120, there was a meal on the table for him. And then he would come in, he'd eat and leave. And that was her part, cooking and taking care of. She loved to have the family and have meals as well as my other family. When all the cousins would get together once a month and we'd sit around a big table and my grandmother would make all the food and we would pass the food around. Those are the things that stuck with me. And what I didn't know then, these are things I was picking up growing up that that is who I have become today. Not knowing that those are the things that I have brought into our family, but now I understand why. I raised the kids and the things that were important to me that I pushed off on them were things as a kid that made me feel good and gave me security. I didn't know until now in reflection that that's the way that I was able to give my kids the security by pulling those things together and not trying to emulate the things that did or were wrong as a child. 
that's where and how in my reflection and raising the kids, I've gotten to where I am today. But just in some magical way, I was able to subconsciously bring all those things to the table. It makes me think about the idea of it takes a village because there were ways that obviously your parents were providing. At the same time, you had these excellent examples in your grandmothers of self-care and nurturing, but you also had to deeply dig within yourself and say, hey, these are the things that I'm going to do that I want to stand for. I'm going to enter this coloring contest and hey, I'm going to do well and I'm going to work really hard at it. And those things did carry on for sure in your parenting. For sure. And I think too, there were so many things that I grew up in a small town and I'll be honest with you. I knew I was different and I felt like I was always treated different and it wasn't different in a positive way. And I never understood it while I was going through it. I don't know. Like I was very envious of the families and even the girls that what I thought was popular in high school. And I was none of those things. I was not well-liked. I never understood why. I wasn't a mean girl. I just wanted to be accepted. Even now, like it feels so uncomfortable when I say it, but I looked different. When my parents got divorced, even though my mom couldn't afford it, she made sure that I had, because I had two sisters and I was kind of that golden child in the middle that we had the nicest things of things that she couldn't afford, but we had them. So I looked different. I had nicer things than majority of the people in this small town because no one could afford them. But somehow my mom was going to find a will and a way to make sure that we had those things because she couldn't show her affection, but she wanted to buy our affection. And again, at that time, I didn't realize it. Now, as a parent, I get it. I understand that. And there's a huge difference between the two. People just didn't allow me to really expand. That made me, when I went to college, like, I so want to prove those people wrong. I want to be something. I want to have achievement. And I am going to show you, I am going to have all these things I've always wanted. And I'm going to work so hard that you you can't say that I didn't earn it or I didn't do it. And so it motivated me. I had a big chip on my shoulder. And then I got to college and I went to Purdue. I'm around all these people that were a lot more like me and that were accepting of me. And I found people I looked up to and wanted to emulate what they were doing, wanted to follow and learn from. And that's how I really came into, wow, I'm capable I'm smart. People believe in me. I was volunteering. I was being nominated for things. And I'm like, wow, this feels good. Generally, people like me for who I was. Tracy, thank you for sharing that. That is deep. I hear you soul searching. I know that has to be difficult for you to look back, but I think as you've reflected and thought back to all these things, it's really brought closure and comfort in knowing these things may have happened for a reason. I couldn't agree more with destiny that it takes a village and your village really stepped it up. You've had amazing grandparents who you've modeled after. You've had teachers that recognized and said Mm -hmm. their little compliments that really stood out to you even after all these years. Yeah. If I think back, these were the moments. These are the the littlest, smallest moments that made the biggest difference in molding my thought process and what I wanted to become and how I was going to raise my kids. I'm now recognizing it crazy. My children are now becoming adults and I actually have the time to reflect. 
I've had people over the years, how do you do it? Now give me some advice. I don't have any advice. I've always done what works for us. But now in my reflection, I know why it worked. It's starting to make sense to me because it never did make sense to me. But what I didn't know is the little things that I was doing for my kids were going to make such a big impact later in life. Taking the time to reflect and understand it has given me the gift now to talk to my kids about, I mean, I've screwed up. There's things that I didn't do right. And there's things that I look back and I'm like, wow, that was a reaction that my mother would have had. And almost being embarrassed by the reaction or the way I handled the situation and apologizing, I could have done better. Forgiving it to myself because I didn't know any better. I was a work in progress. I had to be aware that I was making those choices. Maybe my mom had done that. I You can't do that. It's not going to work. You know what the outcome is of that. So one of my big things is not being a victim of your circumstance. And that's kind of where all along and raising our kids, take the accountability. You cannot play that card of being a victim. You have to find something good in every bad. Right. So much self-growth. I love how you emphasize the little things that we do. It's amazing what we remember and the impact that they can make. Giving a small compliment really goes a long way. Absolutely. Even with like decorating or throwing a party People don't notice the small details, but the small details are the ones that really make something that's average really, really great. And so that's how I feel with raising because it's the small things that matter. Do the small things because other people aren't doing the small things and this is what's going to make you different. Totally. Thank you so much for sharing all this. You mentioned the kids making difference by all these small things. Can you take us through a day in the life of raising five kids who were all athletes? chaotic thinking back, getting everyone to school, all the work I put in the night before, it was ironing uniforms. It was putting their backpacks out. It was putting their shoes out. It was getting the house cleaned back up and putting everything back in place so that the next morning when I went to get something, it was where it needed to be. So early years, it was chaos, but it was an organized chaos. I think that's why I was successful being able to coordinate and do everything because I was very methodically organized. Everything had a place. And if things weren't in their place, then that was the start of a bad day. My husband would make breakfast downstairs and I would be upstairs blow drying hair, curling hair. I put such an emphasis on them going to school and just being put together. Early on, that's just the way it was. I just felt like I was setting them up for success. Those early years, it was just a matter of surviving the day and finding play dates or going to the museum or me getting out of the house. That was the biggest thing is like, I didn't necessarily like being home. For me, even though the kids were there, but it was the same thing over and over. And I wasn't necessarily being fulfilled because I didn't feel like at the time, I'm like, I'm not accomplishing anything. In retrospect, I was accomplishing a lot. And then when the kids started playing sports, then I spent my entire life in the car, picking up from here, dropping off there, maybe having to drop a child off 30 minutes early from one practice so I could be on time from another practice. We strategically lived close to the school so I could go back and forth many times, but it worked. We get to the middle school, same, a lot of driving around, you're organizing carpools and helping in that way. So we went to that stage and then you get to high school and they start driving themselves. That frees up more time, but pure chaos. My husband, he was in real estate and it was nice because he could make his schedule where if I needed help or I needed extra driving or he never missed a game, he even helped coach the kids when they were younger. He was able to work his schedule around it. I was there to handle everything. He never had to worry about getting a sitter. I was just that person behind the scenes that I was doing everything for everybody to make sure that they had success in whatever they were doing. 
So I didn't want them to ever have to think about, for example, I need a snack or I'm going to be at school for an extended amount of time. So I'm going to need like a sandwich or maybe some fruit or whatever. I knew what their schedules were. They needed extra stuff. The bag would be on the counter. It would be ready for them to take out the door so that they could have success. I was just very busy. I really don't have a lot of memories about anything other than just constantly on the move and constantly organizing and constantly being places and driving. And the one thing though, that I think was a gift is we had so many kids that those kids had to go everywhere with me. So the younger kids had to go to every event that the kids were in. We never went anywhere without it being a family unit. I never left them behind. And that became a huge thing in raising them They were expected to be at each other's events and activities unless they had something of their own that they had to be at. Written rule, unwritten rule, it was just, we are going to support our siblings and we are going to be at everything that they are in, which thinking back then, it was probably did it out of just the fact that I couldn't leave the kids at home, but it turned into something wonderful because they are so close. And even today, if someone is doing something and they can be at the event, my kids are going to be at each other's events or activities or celebrations or whatever they are. Tracy, I love how you fostered their relationships with each other. And I'm sure that they had tremendous influences on each other and wanting to do sports and be like their older siblings. Absolutely. And I'm in total awe of you balancing five kids. I mean, I just had two, so we could divide and conquer. But when you have five, you really stepped it up. You are a mom hero. Absolutely incredible. Looking back, I can relate to the organized chaos because organization makes it so that you can move on and you have a clear mind so that you can be there for them to help them with all their success. So I love how you took us through that journey. Yeah, it was survival. I was completely in survival mode. I was just doing what I needed to do. I don't remember my parents being at a lot of my school events. I'd get dropped off. And the funny thing is I can remember my mom driving me to the drugstore when I was cheering and she would always make sure that I had a pair of new, clean, white socks to cheer in. Always. Like weirdly, but I remember always going in, buying the socks and then she would drop me off the game and I would go cheer and then I'd get picked up but she never came. I've never even had that discussion with her to know like, why didn't you come? So I think that unknowingly, I knew that was important for my kids to have that support because I know how bad maybe it made me feel. Yeah. And I can definitely say that I've witnessed that as I've come to know your family, our daughters are very good friends. I do see that your family is, you move together as a unit. And I think a lot of families can benefit from hearing that. Obviously you felt like you were in survivor mode, but what you were creating was an environment and a family bond that they will remember forever. That's really special. Obviously, your boys both played football. Your girls ended up achieving pretty high in track and field. Was there ever any family competition, any family-friendly competition? And how did you manage those ambitions? Okay, so when I think of competition, thinking competition as being like a negativity. We're competing and there's going to be hurt feelings and jealousy among the siblings. And they're going to hate each other because this person is better than this and this person is better than that. I mean, yes, for sure the kids are competitive with each other. But it's never been a negative, competitive environment. The kids have always been happy for one of the kids if they've achieved something greater than what they achieved. 
the boys, I mean, it was beautiful in football, but sometimes I wonder, Luke was a wide receiver and Bo ended up being a corner. Bo was a very gifted wide receiver as well, but I believe that he chose that because he didn't want to be in the same position as Luke because Luke was good. And so maybe... You know, Bo chose that because he didn't want to compete because maybe it's my thing. Oh, I could never be as good as my brother. You know, even in high school, the coaches will will make comments still this day, like, oh, some of the greatest practices was when like Bo was guarding Luke. But what they were doing is they were both making each other better in a friendly, fun competition. Gosh, one of the greatest things that one of my kids or Bo had said, even in recent years, is when Reese was having success in track and field and she had won, well, both girls were the state medalists and someone had asked Bo, how's it feel that you're not the most athletic Sanders? Like you don't have this hardware to show that you're the best. And Bo said, listen, he's like, it was much more gratifying to see my sister succeed and get that ever than it was for myself doing it. And so he had such genuine joy and he was so happy for her that she achieved that. And I'm like, wow, that's huge. So yes, there was definitely competition, but it was never in a negative way. And the two younger girls, Sydney and Reese, I mean, they're only one year apart. Reese was always so good at track, but Sydney was too. And I think that Sydney tried so hard to find something else that she was good at. And she was, she loved cheerleading and that was going to be her thing because it was different than Reese. But we had a glimpse of how good she could be in that competition between the two made Sydney better. But I'm telling you the first couple of years that Sydney ran track in high school, she was not running track in high school for herself. She was running track in high school for Reese because Reese wanted to be successful as a team and because they needed Sydney to make that team successful. And Sydney 100% did it for Reese and 100% went out there and gave every bit of her being for Reese, not for herself, because she came home and she complained and she disliked the pain that she had to go through. And then she was going to go to college and be a cheerleader. And then all of a sudden, Reese kind of got out of her way because like, I'm not going to do track. I don't like track, but she was good. Reese got out of the way. And she's like, you know what? I have my realization like, okay, I can be good. But it took Reese to get out of her way for her to realize that she was good. So that competition, I wouldn't call it competition, but her desire to maybe compete and stay up with Reese's expectations for her made her achieve great things. So that type of competition, it was positive competition. It's interesting how that has happened to support her sister at first. And that's a testament to how you have raised your kids in this positive environment and the bond that you all share. I can completely relate in the younger sibling wanting to do what the older sibling is doing as well, and then finding their identity once the older sibling has gone off to college, because that happened in our case as well. You've always been the little sister that's been following. Let me carve my own path. Let me look inside. What do I really want to do and what do I enjoy? And that has been interesting in looking at the kids as they've gotten older. We all partake in the same things, but they've been able to find their way in high school to create their own identities. And not only through athletics, but they found other things that they were also good at. Bo, same thing, you know, he went to high school and Luke had already kind of paved his way and Bo didn't want to just be Luke's little brother. When Reese got to high school, then it was everything like, oh, Reese, you're Bo's little brother. And then Cindy gets there. Oh, well, you're Bo and Reese's little sister. So on and on. But they've done a good job of when it was their moment and their time to shine, to embrace it and be those leaders 
Sydney did wait her turn. She's always been a leader, but she was never really a vocal leader. She led by example, but she wasn't really the one to like sign up and be the leader of a club or the leader of something. But when Reese got out of the way, all of a sudden she's like, oh yeah, I want to lead this group. I'm going to call this teacher. I'm going to contact them. And I want to be the head person for this. I'm like, wow, where is this coming from? She wanted a piece of how that felt, but she needed to wait until it was her time. You know, we've got the four kids and I haven't really talked about Olivia, the oldest child, who's the one that I always, I apologize to her sometimes because I sometimes say, wow, I really messed up with you and the choices that I made because I was on a learning curve. I had no idea what I was getting myself into with kids in general, and then navigating early friendships and girls that can be nasty and finding your identity and having self-esteem and all of these things that kids go through. And some of the choices that she was making and not probably having the awareness or navigate her to make better choices. She didn't make bad choices. She was extremely athletic and she went to state in high school as well, but it wasn't who she wanted to be. She went to college and she wanted to be a sorority. Like she loved the whole sorority thing. I want to be part of a sorority. I want to go to a big school. I want to she thought that her popularity revolved more around, oh, well, I have to be this social girl and go to these parties and be part of this to be popular. And what I learned from that is that's not really where the popularity falls. I mean, that caused more issues than it did good, to be honest. But we had to go through a lot of icky stuff with Olivia and parenting, because I do think that they were my choices and things that I was allowing her to do that after I allowed her to do them and the outcome wasn't what it should have been. I felt responsible because I was making choices and I was letting her do these things, which then as the other kids were coming up through high school, I had the awareness to know what choices needed to be made and what more, I guess, more sacrifices needed to be made so that we weren't part of that popularity, if that makes sense. I think it's interesting because we definitely become who we are as adults based on a lot of what we experience in our upbringing and not even knowing that that is so impactful on who we become. But then also as parents, as time goes, we learn and we grow and each child is different and they bring about a different set of parenting that we Mm -hmm. tap into. And so I think most moms especially can relate to that. We're human. We don't always get things right. Every child requires something different of us. And we just tap into what we know is best in that moment and go based on that. You know, when you think about that, I thought it was okay for her to go to these parties. And I thought it was okay to let her spend the night places. And I thought it was okay because in my own mind, the one thing I did not have in high school was popularity. I guess in my mind, I'm thinking, oh yeah, like if she wants to be popular, she wants people to like her, that it was okay. Wait a second. Like, this is so not okay. This is, this is exactly what you don't want your child to do. These are kids were getting arrested, getting in car accidents. I mean, just bad things. I'm like, wait a second. Like it can't be like this. And so that's when like, I need to parent differently. We were able to learn from that. The other kids didn't have a normal high school experience because it's not that I didn't allow them to do those things, but we knew better. And I was able to articulate, listen, if you make this choice, this is what's going to happen. And that's where so much dialogue then starts coming into parenting and where we got a lot better about parenting is through the naiveness of letting our oldest child 
do these things to seeing what the consequences of those things were for her to making better choices and being able to navigate the choices of the younger kids. Believe me, I have definitely become a much better parent because I went through that. Well, you've all learned Uh, the whole family you've learned and you seem to have given yourself some grace as you should now, because there's just no manual on raising a family and every family is different. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that there's really a normal family anyway, you know? You're right. There is no normal. I think that we all create our normal. Everything hasn't always been good in the Sanders household. You know, I mean, it hasn't always been easy. I mean, we've had loss. We've had outcomes that haven't been the outcomes we've wanted. We've had major disappointments. We've had milestones that, you know, maybe we haven't had the growth that we've wanted. But in the end, what I've learned is that the only thing that's important is the health and the happiness of my children. What I have learned and what has given me peace where I've been able to relax now and maybe enjoy just kind of watching them grow and become good people is because I know that they're healthy and I know that they're happy. And that happiness, what I had to learn is not my happiness. Sometimes as a parent, we try to push what we think is happiness onto them, but our happiness isn't necessarily what their happiness is or what they want again, was through trial and error for me to realize that my happiness isn't what my kids' happiness is. They need to find their own happy. And when they find their own happy, that's really, truly what brings me happy. I kind of sit back. Are you fulfilled? Are you happy? Do you have all your basic needs? Are you achieving things that make you feel good about yourself? Yes, they are. Whatever careers that leads them to, as long as they're happy with what they're doing, that I'm happy. And as long as they're doing something to contribute, Happiness is not sitting on the couch doing nothing. You're never going to find happiness in that. That's beautiful. And I couldn't agree more. Healthy and happy. Period. Period. Even for ourselves, as we age, the one thing you take into getting older is if you don't have your health, what do you Mm -hmm. have? Mm -hmm. You don't have anything. So you have to take care of yourself so that you are still able to take care of others. If I'm not happy, then my kids aren't happy. So you have to find your own happiness too. I feel you. I totally feel you, Tracy. Yeah. So that's my big, oh, now as well. All those times I thought I was going in my bedroom and I was crying because there was many days or many moments that I would excuse myself and I'd go to my room and I'd shut my door and I would just cry. Sometimes they were happy cries. Sometimes they were frustration cries. Sometimes I was just flat out mad. Sometimes I was disappointed cries. I thought I was in there hiding myself crying, but my kids knew I was in my room crying, but then that would make them sad. They feel you, you feel. Yeah, exactly. Switching gears back a bit. I know your kids had a positive influence on each other, positive competition and the bonding of your family through athletics. Did your children feel any pressure to do a sport in college? Mm. I don't think that they felt pressure to do a sport in college. I think that their own drive and desire has made them want to be part of that in college. Let's go back to Olivia, who was our firstborn, who could very well have run track in college and actually had a lot of smaller colleges that did want her to run, but she had no desire to do that. And we did not put pressure on her to do that. She fantasized about the sorority life and the college life. And there were things that she was seeing in social media. This is what I want. And I'm like, okay, go pursue it. That's what she wanted. And she did. But I don't even think that 
the kids knew that they wanted to play college sports. Well, that's not true because I can remember back in grade school when Luke was doing something, it was baseball. And I had made some comment about what does it matter? You're not going to go to college and be like a star athlete, or you're not going to be a professional baseball player. But baseball wasn't his thing because no, but I want to go to college and be a football player and I want to be a professional football player. And I said something like, well, yeah, well, all kids believe that they want to be a, in the pros when they're kids. I'm like, but that's not a reality. Those things don't happen. And that was my true belief that stuck with him. And he's like, do you remember when you said that? He goes, it bothered me because I was going to prove you wrong. I was going to go to college and play athletics. And he did have a dream of playing professional football, but that changed in college when he started playing football. So I guess, yes, it's not like we were setting them up or making them do practices. And we never said, we're doing this stuff because you're going to get on a scholarship and you're going to go to college on a scholarship. It was never like that. It's just as they got into these things and they realized that they were good at it, then they had the desire to want to do it. They were self-driven. They were self-driven. And then all those things just naturally fell into place because they did have the desire. They had the drive. When all of a sudden you'll have the opportunities and like, okay, let's do this. And then I think once one did it, then the other one's, I can do this. And then it's like, oh, well, I can do this. Even with Reese, my son, Luke, he gave up baseball as a sophomore in high school because he needed to focus on football. It was recruiting stuff and the seasons were in conflict. And at that time, it's either you're all in or it was nothing. So he gave that up, went to run track his junior year. He only ran track because he couldn't be in baseball because it was in conflict with football. And all of a sudden the kid starts having success in track. Wow. We never knew that you were good at track. So Luke makes it to state and Reese, she was with us at the state meet. I remember her saying, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get here. But you know what the difference is? Luke didn't make it on the podium, but Reese goes, only thing I'm going to do different, I'm going to be on that podium. And we're like, oh yeah, okay, whatever, Reese. That was her drive. That was her goal. I'm getting on this podium. And I'll be darned if all those years in her mind, what I did know is that podium was her goal. And she got there. Little things again, moments in their lives that made an impact. Me telling Luke, no, you will never play college football. You will never be in the pros. Reese going like, I'm going to be on the podium. These little things made a big difference. One kid doing it, another kid wanting to follow in the footsteps, just good leadership. You know. That's beautiful. When you think about how, again, how each circumstance, situation, competition, you're taking your family unit to every event and just, it all builds to the story that just makes it into your family and the story that your family's experienced. What would you say, since you've been through the recruiting process with multiple children, do you have any suggestions for moms whose kids are just getting started? I'll tell you what. Before I get to suggestions, it is a brutal process. What bothers me the most over the years, when you see these kids get so wrapped up in, I need to be recruited. I want to be recruited. This is my 16th D1 offer and putting out this information, building their identity around this shows how good I am, or this is giving me cloud drives me absolutely insane. Because as a parent, I know what the reality is on the other side of that recruitment. It's so flattering. All these other kids look up. It's so neat. I wish I could be you. And I wish I could get these offers. And and it's a horrible experience. I'll be honest. I hated every single thing about it. What they don't realize is on the other side, it's just a business. My perspective as a parent is I disliked it. Going to schools and visiting, having the kids looked like 
I rationalize it as like having a beauty pageant. You're bringing out these beautiful girls and everything is just subjective. Not everything, because obviously times don't lie and stats don't lie and those type of things. But so much of it at that early age is subjective. One coach would love one quality about your son or daughter. You're like, oh, you think this is a great thing. And then you go to another school. They're not at all cared all about that quality or that characteristic that your child had. And you're like, well, shoot, I thought that was important. So there's so much subjectivity in recruiting. There's a business behind it. In my opinion, there was so much fakeness in going through the process. And then you get past it, you make your commitment and you get to your destination. And then reality sets in. You're like, wow, this isn't at all what they said it was going to be like. This is not all fun. And the spotlight's not on me anymore. This isn't as awesome as I thought it was going to be. And it's hard on these kids. And then it's hard on us parents because then we have to deal with these kids that are going through these things. Oh, did I make the wrong choice? Am I at the right place? Or, oh, should I transfer to another school? It's icky. Okay. Going back to my advice. This is the advice I give. Pick a school that you love, regardless if you're playing athletics there or not. Pick a school that you are going to be surrounded by peers that have qualities that are like yourself, where you're going to get a great education, where you are going to be able to grow into kind, hardworking individuals. Don't go someplace where they're going to take away every bit of self-esteem that you have about yourself or tell you that you're something less than what you think you are, because there are places out there like that. Everything else is really important other than probably where you think you're going to play. You have no control over that. So you have to go, most importantly, where the people you're with are important. Yes, I agree. The recruiting process can be grueling from all sides, from the parent side, from the athlete side. The advice that you gave and suggestions was crucial. I think that a lot of parents can get more wrapped up in, like you said, the identity, the number of offers. And so I too would agree with you on the suggestion to just let the athlete guide, let the opportunities speak for themselves, really dig into your own instinct and intuition as to how genuine the mm-hmm. offers are and what the program stands for and who you would be surrounded by. I agree with all of that. Being a coach's wife, I see the other side. I recognize the effort that goes in on the coach's behalf, how many visits that they're hosting, but it is, it goes both ways. The coaches are looking at the personality of the athlete. Will they fit the chemistry of the locker room or on the field? How will that athlete help lead their program? So there is a business aspect of it in terms of obviously the coach has a family to feed and they have staff that have families to feed and they definitely want to make the decision that is best for their program, but also as it pertains to the camaraderie in the locker room, on the field, on the gymnastics mat, whatever our sport it is, there's both sides of it, but it is so challenging to help the kids see that it's not about the number of likes. It's not about how many offers it's about the right fit. You're exactly right. You made a good point. In some way, you have to figure out what the culture of that program is, because that really tells the story. And you can do that in reading headlines or having conversations with your peers about it. But the culture is huge. 
that's the one thing that sometimes you don't understand it until you get there. With Bo and where he chose to go, I give him credit because it's not at all where probably anyone would have guessed he would have chosen to go. It's a smaller school. It's D1, but not D1 like the MAC or like Big Ten or Pac-12 or whatever. It was a smaller school, probably beneath really what he was skilled to play at. But Bo went there and he loved the culture of the school and he loved the location. He loved the coaches, the people that we met and the parents that we met during our visits and our official visit were like, they're a lot like us and those conversations. And he found like those kids were a lot like him. And he's like, wow, like this is where I want to be. He came to that on his own. He knew that. But as we reflect back, we probably could have done a better job in understanding the recruiting process because Luke was the first one that we went through this with. We were going off the hype, the hype of what we thought it was. There was a complete coaching change that changed the culture of the program. Unfortunately, he had a much more difficult time surviving in that culture than what we initially thought. So knowing that that could possibly happen, like, okay, there's no guarantee that any coach is going to stay. So Bo based it on other factors. Bo wants to stay a fifth year. Just good people. That's who you want your kids to be around. And you don't you don't have control of that. That was just luck. But Luke's situation wasn't like that. And Luke walked away from his college because of his experience during those years. It made him not want to continue with football. He lost his passion and love for football because of the people he was surrounded by the negativity, and even his peers. He had a few great friends, but most of his peers were negative. When you're around negative people, you become negative. And so he made choices he needed to leave football. It just wasn't getting the same out of it. So those experiences are very different, but they both had great football. They were successful, but Bo wants to stay because it was positive. Luke wanted to leave because it became negative. It's it's hard. You're right. You've got to pick your school on, are you going to be happy if you don't do athletics? And don't base it on the coaches because coaches change. We all know that. I loved hearing Destiny's different perspective of the recruiting process as well. Getting to hear the coach's perspective because that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. No doubt that you are still traveling to all their games and meets and they still need their mom. They always will. However, how are things different for you now that they're mostly grown? What interests and hobbies have you been able to explore or hope to explore more of? I have been able to focus more on myself and it hasn't been an easy transition. As more kids have left the nest, obviously I've become better at letting them go. When Olivia left for semester, I think I still cried every time she went back, even though she was only like an hour and 20 minutes away. Then Luke left and because of the football and him not being able to come home, Every time that he did come home, it was a huge deal. And every time he left, literally, I was in my room depressed two days. I knew because of the football and the requirements, he wasn't going to be able to come home for a long time again. But over time, you get used to that. And with everyone leaving, my workload, I guess, became less. But I didn't really know what to do with myself because I was so used to doing and going and going. But now I'm okay with this because what I didn't realize is I was taking up a lot of time and a lot of energy. And I wasn't focusing on myself at all. 
And to my detriment, and even my husband at times at an interview, like, listen, you need to take time for yourself and you need to, to think about what you're doing to yourself, going back to not being healthy and not being happy because I was going through the motions, but I felt like I was kind of dying inside because the only identity that I really felt like I had for myself was my kid's identity. Everything good that I was doing was good for my kids, creating successes inadvertently for them. What I have not given up in raising kids, let's start with this. I've always worked out, even when the kids were younger, love to be outside, hike, bike, walk, run. So I have always taken the time to do that. So when the kids were little, I was putting all five of those kids in the car and I was taking them to the gym with me. And that was my time. And we laugh about the stories now, how the kids hated to have to go and stay in the daycare at the gym, but I did it for me. That stayed consistent. I still, to this day, it's part of my routine walking, running, going to classes. I have to do it. I do it because it makes me feel good. And then I'm not too proud to say I'm vain. And so I still want to project myself as just having it all together. So that's important. What do I love? I love fashion. I don't necessarily go to the mall and buy a lot, but I like to go to the mall and just look at clothes. <laughs> I think it's fun. And then I come home and now I get to style my kids. I don't really care about so much how I'm styled. Like, ooh, let me buy this for the girls. This is going to be fun. So like fashion and style, decorating. I love creating things. I love making things look pretty. You can find me in Hobby Lobby, at Home Goods, looking at accessories and how can you make spaces comfortable and nice. And it's been fun because my kids are now buying homes and they're in apartments. And so I get to actually decorate for them and it's fun. So things like that keep me busy. I'm trying to make, not that I haven't made my friends a priority, but I really haven't made my friends a priority. I hate to say that, but my family always came first. So socializing, really always came second. And so I'm trying to be better at and mindful of when someone asks me to do something, be like, okay, you know what? Normally I would be like, yeah, it's like, I've got to do this for my kids. Now, not so much. I really have no excuse. So making myself go. And I hate to say make myself go out because I think for all of us, it's so easy not to go out, right? We kind of, oh, like I want to get dressed up and really take the time and the energy. Making myself do it because I have so much fun. And I'm like, why don't I do this more? So it's just a matter of me getting out of my silly routine. A lot of my time is on my phone, group chats, talking my kids off of cliffs, giving them advice on what a good choice would probably be, but not trying to make that choice for them, helping them navigate their adult life. So that does take up a lot more time. Actually, I would say the younger gear is busy, busy. And it's a physical exhaustion, but now there's a mental exhaustion that you get tied up in. So maybe I'm not physically out running from place to place and driving them place to place, but I'm spending a lot more time talking with them, deeper conversations and understandings and trying to help them make good choices so that they can have good careers and be successful and not have regrets. Try to keep the regrets down to a minimum because we all have regrets, right? Mm -hmm. But so that's what I'm busy doing now, but I'm enjoying it. I don't have to take responsibility for the choice that they do make. If they make a choice and they screw up, it's not on me because I've always felt like if my kids go out and they make a bad choice or they do something stupid, I always took it as it's my fault. I always took it as it's a reflection of me. It's a reflection of Brian. It's a reflection of us. And somehow I misled them. I misguided them or I didn't help them make the right choice. I feel freer now. They're no longer a reflection of me. They are now a reflection of their selves and their hard work and what they've done to achieve their success. I'm just there to enjoy it and have some of those deeper conversations with them that my parents never had with me. And be that guiding force. Yeah, you'll always be an important part in their life. Tracy, I love what you're saying, and I can completely relate to everything you're saying because I'm at a similar stage in my life. 
got my kids in college and I understand having to go out and make yourself available for social time because you get so caught up in the daily life and family's number one. So always making sure that they're happy, then you can go off and do your own things. So I love how you've made exercise a priority. It's a non-negotiable, makes you happy, totally relate to that. And your family first and decorating and making spaces, improving spaces is a passion of mine as well. Yeah. Isn't it funny though, how the organization had to have organization. I want to be in a clean house. I want it to be beautiful. I want it to be calm because these things that we provide ourselves, they bring that inner peace, all the chaos through all the years. You've got to keep some consistency. Working out brings you calmness every day. It was like, okay, I've got this. I did one thing for myself. And then I could focus on them. But I think Mm -hmm. your surroundings have so much. And I think that too, the kids going to college, and even when they live in the dorm, the need for them to have a very comfortable home-like space Mm -hmm. was key to their success because they were calm and they felt comfortable and it just helped them achieve. That's a gift that we can give them. And I think a lot of parents don't realize that that is important. I couldn't agree more. The space, the environment that you are in is so important and how you feel and how you perform and react. Tracy, you've shared so much with us. We love listening to your journey and your self-discovering and the parenting lessons that you've learned along the way. We can't be so hard on ourselves. We learn as we go. We're all in this together. Something fun. Do you have any guilty pleasures or pet peeves that you'd like to share with us? This is so funny, but I don't enjoy going out to a nice restaurant and having an expensive meal because for me, food is food and food has always been fuel. And I think what you put in your body is important. And it's always been a huge part of even raising the kids to the importance of having good food. I've always looked at food in a different way. I don't look at it as a guilty pleasure, right? Some people are like, oh, like I want to go out and have a good steak. I would rather go to the mall and buy myself a really kick-ass outfit that I can wear out to this place to get the meal. But my guilty pleasure is I do like fashion and I probably do indulge in a few nicer things, getting my hair done, getting my nails done, buying nice things for myself again. And yeah, I love chocolate cake. I would rather go out and skip the steak, but have that phenomenal piece of chocolate cake at the end of the meal, because that's really what I want. So in your amazing outfit, (laughs) looking beautiful, looking good. That's the thing. Like I've always enjoyed. I have always been just a little bit different. I never wanted to look like anyone else. And that goes back to even like growing up, my girlfriend and I would, we would take clothes and we would take her mom's sewing machine and we would add things to them, or we would make our pants shorter, or that we'd make the legs tighter, or we would take sleeves off things and just creating things. I've always wanted to look a little bit different. Don't be a penguin, Destiny. I was just going to say, can you share with the listeners your penguin philosophy? I have a penguin philosophy. The kids back when they went through this phase of every single girl wore black leggings with big frumpy sweatshirts. I mean, it was the style. Like my girls didn't want to wear anything other than that everywhere we went. And I'm like, really? That's so disappointing because I love fashion. I want you to wear this. And they didn't want it. 
why do you want to look like a penguin? You go out there, you look like everybody else. You need to stand out somehow. I said, like, do something different. And so that kind of started off the whole, okay, mom, I don't want to be a penguin. Yeah. So we always had philosophy like, you know, don't be a penguin. So we had the penguin philosophy in the house. And then we always had the, you know, you have to care more than you don't care philosophy. That's a big one. For example, say Luke comes down and he has a gift of mismatching things. And I'd be like, really? Are you going to go out looking like that? He'd be like, mom, like I'm just going to the gym. And I'm like, even if you're going to the gym, you need to make yourself look presentable. You just have to care more than you don't care. And so that was always a thing with just little things. Even if it's the girls, I said, don't leave the house when they started wearing makeup. I said, you don't wear any makeup, but just put mascara on. I go, it's a little trick. It will just make everything different. Care a little bit more than you don't care. So that was the penguin. You have to care more than you don't care. Always say please and thank you. Always be kind. And we don't ever say mean things about other people, period. Those are really beautiful closing remarks, advice, advice to children, um, advice to parents on how just preach them from the beginning, preach them yeah. from the beginning. They have to hear it when they're young. And there are some things that you just stay consistent with forever that will bring them success. And no matter what you do in life, whether you're a mom, you're a realtor, you're a coach, you're a teacher, whatever you desire to do, just be the best at that job that you possibly can be. Strive to be the best. You may not actually be the best, but strive to be the best you can be. And that will bring you success. And that will bring you happiness. And usually when you have happiness and you enjoy what you're doing, you find ways to make money in the things that you love doing. I didn't necessarily want to stay home and be a stay-at-home mom in the beginning, but I'm glad that I did. And I resented my husband at first because I had to. But man, when I said, okay, this is my job and I'm going to do the best job I can do at being a parent, then I was in parent mode. I'm in parent mode. I think that to be a parent, you have to parent. But when you make a choice to be a parent, you're a parent. And that's what I tell my kids. Do not have children until you are 110% sure that you can be 100% plus unselfish because it's no longer about you. It is 100% about your kids and your family. That's where we have found success. Those years in between the beginning and where I am now sitting here with grown children that are successful is that I gave every bit of my existence and being into being a good parent and making the hard choices when I didn't want to make the hard choices and making them stay home and not participate in things that they want to participate in. And when they were home sitting on the couch lonely because their friends were doing other things that I wouldn't allow them to do, I promised them it would turn out okay. It's not always easy, but you have to be a parent and you have to make the choices that are hard, not popular. Hard. Wow. Hard. Just so that's, wow. That's, stop I have to stop talking. <laughs> Tracy, it's all been terrific, though. I love your philosophies. Yeah. I loved all your stories and sharing of your experiences. They've all been so enlightening. It has been. That's such what a this treat. is about. Yeah. That's what this is about. No, but I want to thank you guys because even in the last couple of days since you've asked me to do this, I actually have spent so much time in reflection. This has given me the opportunity. The last few days I've sat and I have thought about my upbringing and I have thought about my kids when they're young. 
And I thank you because honestly, I've laughed, but I've also shed a couple tears getting a little emotional over circumstances or just maybe coming to peace with some things that maybe I thought I was okay with. And I'm like, wow, like I hadn't, I'm not okay with that. I need to grieve this a little bit more, or I need to find more joy, or I wish I would have found more joy in that moment wow, what a, what a joyous moment that was. I'm sorry. I missed it. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So I appreciate I've laughed at myself. I've cried a few tears and it's really given me the opportunity. I even had some deeper conversations last couple of days with a couple of my kids from your view. What was your childhood? Like I've never asked them that. What did you think of dad and I? How were we as parents? I have my perspective, what I think you should be thinking of us, right? What were your thoughts when I did that? What were you thinking? And it's kind of funny when you open it up, what is your perspective of dad and I? And some of it I didn't want to hear, but I'm glad I heard it. So I thank you. So I think it's very cool what you guys are doing. And I think that a lot of people are going to go into deep thought like, wow, but helping them along the way, because even with the recruiting and the athletic side of it and what you guys have gone through and the gymnastics, it's all a different beast. But yet when it comes down to it, we're just people trying to do the best that we can do with what we're given. We just have to be kind to each other. Just be kind. kind. When Tara and I initially talked about this podcast, it was specifically that the athlete in those moments that you just reflected on where maybe I didn't enjoy that moment so much because you were so caught up in making sure they were going to be on time, making sure they were prepped and had the right fuel and the right, all of these things. But the truth is in those glorious moments of our children, there is a mom behind it. There's that mom that has a story that has an upbringing that has our truth and our struggles and our sacrifices. And that's what we wanted to do is highlight the mom behind the athlete and just say they wouldn't be where they are without this support. And we're so excited to have gotten to highlight you today. You've been a real treasure. I love you, Tracy. And I've only known you for a couple hours now. (laughs) I mean, like, seriously, it's so sweet. I appreciate it. I appreciate you allowing me to share a little bit about myself and where I come from. And, you know, I mean, believe me, if you ever have another topic, I, I, have, I, I have a lot to say about everything. <laughs> We're so glad you've joined us today. Thank you for listening. Upcoming episodes and show info can all be found at sportsmomreport.com. If you've enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend. We'd love to hear from you. So please reach out to us with any comments or if you or someone you know would like to share their story and connect with us.